Jazzcast Pros. Have you ever been stuck in a spot that you want to get out of, but you're not sure quite what direction to go? Have you spiraled because you felt like you need to take a step in action, but it has to be the perfect right next step? So you just spiral and have anxiety around any action and don't do anything. I have been there crying on the floor of not wanting to be in the position I'm currently in, but not sure how to get to where I want to be. And so has my guest, Robbie. She is now on the other side of that in such a beautiful place. And I really wanted her to share her story so that if you are in the middle of that struggle currently, you can see there's light at the end of the tunnel. Robbie shares her journey of being stuck and feeling very unappreciated, burnt out, and really having a hard time with where she was. And she has come full circle in less than a year to being now in a career where she is fulfilled, she is supported, and really flourishing. She shares her story. She shares some tips, insights. So I'm excited to share Robbie's story. So if you want to hear more, keep on listening. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to High Vibe Table Talks, the podcast to help you, the cautiously ambitious woman, remove mental barriers and take action now so that you can achieve your high vibe desires. I'm your host, Rashawn Hargrave, and I have taken my background of education and my decade of working for a startup and turn it into High Vibe Masterminds. Every week, I share insights from myself and my guests to help you navigate the messy middle. What's really special is, Robbie, actually, you were my first guest on my first ever episode of High Vibe Table Talk, so welcome back. I'm so excited to be back. Can you tell us a little bit about who Robbie is? Sure. Today, Robbie is a... You know, I'm thinking myself right now as a sort of hybrid entrepreneur, and I mean that I am certainly doing things that are like in my own business and building my own um, kind of career path, and I have a foot in employment as well. So I'm kind of straddling between those two things, but it seems that those aren't mutually exclusive in this moment. These are kind of two things that are sharing the who Robbie is pie in my brain. So hi- hybrid entrepreneur, and specifically, I, I work in operations strategy, um, so kind of project management or operations management, building up teams. And I mean, in particular, right now, I work in marketing, and I am building up a creative studio team within a, a corporation. And so I, I really like um, the curating and the cultivating of a team. And to me, those are kind of two parts of the same piece. You like to, you know, you scoop in the people that you are looking for, but then you build up the people that you want um, in that team. 
And then lastly, I'd say I'm still at my core. I'm a creative person. And I think that that ties into like everything I would consider myself an entrepreneur and a, an operations, a strategist, a, a curator. All of that is a type of creativity, I think. Yeah. I love that you don't put your entrepreneur self and your creative self and your like full-time job self in friction. Like I know I, I have felt that previously of like, I'm pulling away time from my full-time job to pour into high vibe, which always felt like I was doing a disservice. And I love how you show up and you're like, I'm all of these things. And yeah. And that's been really kind of the, the central core of what I'm thinking about is how can things coexist instead of be mutually exclusive? And exactly to that point of like entrepreneurship versus creativity versus um, employment, like these have felt kind of like mutually exclusive things. You're you're an artist. And so you go live the starving artist lifestyle is the story I heard growing up. Or you're a businesswoman. And so you go, you know, become a successful businesswoman. Um, but these things in my mind have kind of excluded each other. And the oh, like the subtlety I'm kind of grappling with right now is how do all of these things actually coexist in the same space? And it's messy, but it feels really fulfilling. It's so messy. <laughs> it's, it's not, um, it's so easy to compartmentalize and to put myself into a cleanly labeled category, um, even though it doesn't work that well. And that's not a real sustainable thing for me. It's still a simpler thought for me to get my head around being one thing cleanly instead of being many things in a kind of messy, fluid way. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to dive into this conversation today because it is going to be different than my other guests because what I really want the listener to get out of this episode specifically is the full circle moment that you have kind of had and not to say that your journey is like complete or done like you're talking about the messy parts that you're still in, but I like when I was prepping for this episode, the thought that came to my mind was Robbie's arc of chaos to calm. And so can you kind of tell us a little bit about like where you were versus where you are now? Yeah, for sure. I like the, the language of chaos to calm and, and thinking of that as like a circle and, and coming full circle and thinking that like, ooh, I'm going to circle that again. I'm going to go through the circle again of chaos to calm. And that's probably like an iterative upward spiral that I'll do many times. So a brief overview of Robbie's latest chaos to calm arc, I think is a lot about my employment and my identity as a entrepreneur versus an employee. Let's say this has been in the last um, three to four years, uh, my relationship with how I show up at work and how I consider myself, my relationship with work. Um, so I come from a marketing, especially like a, an advertising agency background and agency life is kind of iconically, there's like a high turnover and high burnout in creative agency life. Um, and so about three or four years ago, I was in an agency. I had been there for eight to 10 years. And so um, had been long enough to really like kind of get my feet under me and it not feel new and sparkly anymore. And, and that burnout was really starting to set in and not be ignorable. And so I was doing a lot of kind of self-reflection work and trying to understand what motivates me and what kind of work do I want to do. 
and feeling this sort of, I'm running out of, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of energy. This isn't going to be sustainable for too long. Like I felt um, an expiration on it. And I think that pressure sort of pushed me and, and there was an urgency, a drive to figure out like, what do I do next? It's so exciting to live downtown. I mean, it actually is, but. I was at my dad's yesterday and I, we were sitting at his dining room table doing some work and I look out the window and I was like, I could see his neighbor in his like living room hang out. I was like, I forgot what it's like to have neighbors. Like, it's so interesting. <laughs> you could just peek in and be like, oh, that's a person. Yeah. I can see in their house. Huh. <laughs> I don't really see houses. No. Oh, oh now are you going to bark? Are you going to? Oh, oh, good. Oh, good. Lois has things to say. Yeah, you tell him, Lois. So I think I had left off at this kind of pressure. I had felt this like expiration on, I'm not going to be able to do this work forever. I'm burning out. This is not sustainable for me. So started looking for, great, what motivates me? What work am I supposed to be doing? Plus there was a little bit of a, um, I was wondering like what I'm supposed to do. Like what's my calling? I grapple with that idea a little bit because I think that the way that I felt it at first um, was a little bit outside of my choice. Like it kind of felt like a thing that was passed down from God or the universe or this kind of outside of myself, larger than me thing. And so I was wondering like, what is it that, you know, the universe or God wants me to be doing here? And I have continued to grapple with that question, but it has become a lot more personal now. And it's not so much what am I supposed to be doing, but it's more what do I want to do? What feels good? So then there was a moment where like it, things broke. There was, there was a catalyst and I had to change. And it happened in 2020. And I imagine that everything that going on in the world and all of the kind of pressure cooker that it was certainly contributed to that moment of like, okay, I have to do something else now. And for me, that was I quit my job. Uh, entirely. I started working on a individual coaching business. Um, I did that for several months between work and learned a ton, did have a business like, you know, had clients and it was not a replace my income sustainable business, but it was, it was a business and it was a thing. It was a step to take. I felt so stuck in this work. And it was a really toxic work environment. And I don't think I even realized that's what it was until I was out because it was normal, or at least it was common. And it was toxic. It's both. Right. It can be right. very common and still be toxic. All right. So I went through that time of kind of a huge jump. It felt like jumping off a cliff. It truly did. And I had a couple work, a couple months between employment where I was focusing on that kind of entirely Robbie as an entrepreneur. And then I needed money. And so started looking for, okay, what's, what can be my next step that is, that feels like a step forward that doesn't feel like going back, but it also, it was sustainable. Like at that moment I needed money. And so the thing I needed to go find was something to pay me. And so then there was a really interesting point in here where I started working at an agency for a couple months as a freelancer, but I had a lot of nervousness about being an employee. Like I didn't want to be hired full time because that felt like a commitment and felt like I was going back into this sort of work. So for almost a year, I worked with this company as a freelancer because it felt like that was the kind of freedom and the autonomy that I needed in my, in my life. And about 
a month into my time at this new agency, I got a job offer and it was good money and it was a permanent uh, position and I was a little bit fascinated by it and I took it. And then two weeks into that job, I just felt like I was at the wrong cafeteria. Like I looked around at my employees and I was like, this just isn't it. This just isn't it for me. And that scared the shit out of me because it felt like such a dumb move and kind of embarrassing. I felt so ashamed by that too. Ashamed that like I'd taken this job and then I'd like changed my mind and said like, oh, okay, this isn't the right job. And I didn't get it, but I did trust it. And in retrospect, I, I think I get it more. And I think what I got out of staying at the first agency instead of moving to the second agency was the first agency allowed me space for creativity. And that's the thing I wanted at that moment. I had the freedom to travel. I had the freedom, like meaning work remotely. I had the freedom to spend time on creative projects. We're culturally at the second agency that I was at for only a few weeks. The expectation was that you were a work person. Work was the focus, whereas at the agency that I ended up staying at, they had a better understanding that work supported you. Now, that is all background for what ended up still being a really toxic work environment. So we're now deep in the chaos arc, right? Let's get us into calm. How do we get here? So over the past six months, I'd say I have been arcing into calm. And that started by yet another job move. Uh, I moved out of agency life. I've moved into in-house. I work at a a corporation now instead of at a creative agency. And I'm still doing similar type of work, but because it's at a corporation instead of an agency, there's just a different type of work culture. It's not quite the constant urgency. And that has given me space. And here's where I think I'm getting to this. That has given me space to think about myself as something other than an employee. So I've started to think about myself as an expert or as a consultant or as a, as a free agent. And there is something like fundamentally different about that mindset. And that I think has been like the huge pivot for me is that mindset, mindset shift out of employee. There's autonomy in that. There's choice. There is, um, there's something similar to entrepreneurship. It's not quite the same, but part of what I love about entrepreneurship is the autonomy, is the self-direction, is the, is the choice, is the strategy that I can put into it. And as an expert or a consultant, it's some of that without being the business owner. Mm-hmm. And what I really want to highlight about your story is two things. First, I know, because I know I have felt this when I have felt like really stuck and confined and unhappy and burnt out is I felt like my next right step had to be perfect. It had to be the right step. And that is so much pressure and can spin you out because you feel like, I don't know if it's the right step. And what I heard in your story was you took what you thought was the next right, next right step. And then we're like, this was not it. Yeah. And initially there was some shame around. I went backwards. I did the wrong thing. 
But I think that the momentum and the realization of that it was wrong and you could figure out why it was wrong is so powerful and freeing of like, it doesn't have to be the next perfect right step. It doesn't have like momentum is a step in whatever direction Mm. it needs to be. Oh, that's good. Momentum is a step. Yes. A hundred percent. You're, you're spot on around the fear that I felt of kind of the enormity of taking a step. It felt like, yes, the next step had to be perfect because it was kind of locking me in on my career I've had a lot of fear around like pigeonholing myself or or narrowing my options as I c- progress through my career, which I actually think, I think this is the opposite. And I don't know if this is mindset or the way that I've chosen to acquire skills, but I think that as I move through my career, I have opened my options because I'm learning a variety of things and Uh, And the variety, I think, is important that it's not all in a niche area. Instead of that being a a hodgepodge of skills that you can't really turn into anything that makes sense, so you really only have one option, no. In fact, the hodgepodge gives you a unique hybrid that, like, no one else probably has, like, my experience, my skill set. And so this idea that um, you've got to take the right next step or you're going to get stuck or you're going to get locked in, there's no options. I, I just think that that's like a misnote. That's a, that's a wrong idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, I also think that you're spot on on like motivation is the next step that is the right direction. Because when I, like you said, when I took this job and I realized like, oh, this is not it. I, I got to go. I got to go somewhere else. It it took me out of stuck. I wasn't stuck anymore. I'd made a move. I'd gotten the feedback from it, which was, ooh, nope, not that. And so I could keep going. Yeah. A lot of times it's like you're either an entrepreneur or an employee and there is an other. Yes. And the other is creating space for synergy between both of those because it's not like, okay, I have my employee hat on. And in order to be an entrepreneur, I have to take that off and put my entrepreneur hat on. Whereas you can be wearing both of them. And as you're learning stuff as an entrepreneur, it's making you a better employee. As you're learning stuff as an employee, it's making you a better entrepreneur. And they can fluidly mesh together. That's really important this idea that they feed each other and that they're not like two distinct entities. They really braid together. Something that I have struggled with is identifying success or failure with being one or the other, meaning, oh, wow. And it's no, it it can change. So, so meaning as a uh, college student, young adult, the kind of narrative I grew up in my family was that success looked like traditional career progression. And that entrepreneurship was kind of, it was just a very unsafe, like, I don't think we knew successful entrepreneurs. And so it was the, it was a, another form of starving artist. And so there was a, there was a successful and there was an unsuccessful and there was like a good and a bad. And I think that learning to, to see how those flow together. Yeah. It opens up a lot of opportunity and it enables one to feed the other. Exactly what you're saying that like being a, entrepreneur makes me a smarter element of a larger business. Being an employee, God, it makes me a much smarter employer. 
if I actually do work with other people. And if not, if it's just me, I'm a solopreneur. It's certainly mutually beneficial information. Uh, We've had a lot of discussions around this. And I know that for you, there has been a journey of like shedding of your identity and moving into that kind of like the other, not employer, not entrepreneur, that other. And things that you were like holding really tightly onto at the agency that you were still holding onto as in your new role. And you had to sit and be like, I can put this down. And so what does that look and feel like to you now speaking to someone who may not even realize that they're holding on to all those things at the moment? It feels like shattering especially the initial shedding, it feels like a loss. And there's a lot of detachment. Or there was in my experience, I had a lot of attachment to what I thought I wanted to be or what a successful entrepreneur, employer, whatever it was, what that looked like. And so the initial letting go of it was kind of violent isn't quite the word, but there was a there was a crash to it. It kind of, it kind of, it it was shattered is really the word that comes up. And then I think that as I leaned into that and continued to kind of let it go, let the shed happen. And then it, and it feels cyclical, feels seasonally. I kind of go through this again and I go through like what I think I am and, and what I think I ought to be. And then I let that go. And, and in a later shedding, it feels less like a shatter and more like, like peeling, like peeling out. And it's kind of maybe painful, But it also, maybe it feels less like I'm pulling off my arm and feels like I'm pulling off some some dead skin on top. And then I think as that gets more comfortable, it becomes more like rinsing. Like, Like you can get in and like, there's a relief to it even. And I imagine what's different from one to the next is my attachment or my expectation of what I think that process should be or what I think I'm supposed to be. And the more attached I am to it, the more kind of brittle and the the more that shedding feels like a shatter and the more I can melt and flow with that and just be curious about it, the more that shedding just feels like a shower, like a rinse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really like that philosophy around a lot of times during pivots, especially when we're deeply attached to something, it can feel like a failure. It can feel like it is us. And there is a lot of shame attached to that. And switching shame to curiosity, I think is such a power. That's a power move. Yeah. And it's brave. When I am in shame, I think that I owe something to that shame. Like it's not okay for me to put it down. It's, it's cheating. It's giving up. It's ignoring my conscience I'm very attached to my shame when I'm in it. But when when you can shift it into that curiosity and just ask, why? What makes us feel this way? What are we, what's going on here? It automatically loosens the, the grip that would be a shatter. I'm able to flow with that in so much more ease. Yeah, and I think some of it may be related to the fact that I think that we look at, especially early in our career, we look at our job as our identity. 
And so when we pivot or move or change, like it's something deep within us. So it's almost like having a surgery, like something is fit. Like you said, you're losing an arm versus when you realize that you're just in a relationship, even as an entrepreneur, my business is not who I am. I'm in a deep relationship with it because I put so much time and effort and energy into it. But if it were to all fall away tomorrow, I would still be whole. And just like any relationship, after you leave that relationship, it's if you were to break up with your partner of 10 years, someone 72 hours later wouldn't be like, why aren't you over it by now? But I think that sometimes that's the feeling we get when we leave relationships with employment or entrepreneurship. And as you go through that a couple times and make those pivots, it becomes less about losing my identity and it becomes onto, onto the next, onto something better, onto something different. Yeah, I, I agree. You, you bring up a really good point about if you break up with someone, someone wouldn't ask you three days later, like, why aren't you over this? Or It's a good point that work leaves an impression on us the way that relationships leave an impression. It's, it's a relationship. And when your formative relationships are toxic, that becomes what you expect from relationships when your formative work experiences are toxic, that's what you expect. And that's what I expected. I grew up in urgency, rush, lack, really like a scarcity culture. And I thought that that was normal. And so when I was looking for this next step out, I was almost afraid to look for or ask for something that didn't feel like this sort of rush toxic, because one, I thought it it didn't exist. Um, Like everyone works like this. That's not true. And, and two, I thought it was, um, like necessary, almost like this is a necessary part of work. And I I think that that even continues to bleed into my current work situation while I am. um, It's better. Like it's decidedly better in in measurable ways. I don't work long hours. There's not the urgency that it was just the, the baseless of every day before. And at the same time, I catch myself kind of falling into these Wow, they're almost like abuse patterns, really, because it's these these fear uh, self-protection mechanisms that I fall into where I get really nervous about um, whether I'm doing enough work throughout the day or if someone's watching like my little green dot on teams and making sure like, am I online enough? And that I hear myself say that. And that's like a really employee type of thing to say, I think. Um, There's a lot of surveillance in it. There's a lot of... um, I have to prove my worth. I have to prove that they're getting, you know, this full value out of me that they have paid for. When my actual role here has shifted into, I was brought on to fulfill a task, basically. And so I am doing that and I'm doing all the pieces of that task. But when I have uh, some space in my day, it scares me. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something. And I think that's kind of a remnant toxic trait of these formative work relationships I grew up with. It's not the case anymore, but I'm still kind of reacting to this echo and and having to work that out of my system. And I don't know that many work environments will make that change for you, for employees. I think that the system of work, especially in a kind of capitalism, big business, profit-centric society, I think that those systems of work are 
structured to squeeze value because that's how we get profit. And maybe inherently there's nothing bad with that. I don't know. But what ends up happening is that companies squeeze people. So to create space around the squeeze, the person's got to do that. I see companies trying to, but I think that what I'm learning is that I can't look to the company to fix it. They might try and, and like, yes, we should absolutely continue to try to change that. And as an employee or as a consultant, I've got to protect that myself. I internalize that as like cheating or dishonesty or giving less than I could because I learned that what I do as an employee is I show up and I give all of myself. That's not what's required of me. And that's, I don't think what any employee should do. You should never show up and give all of yourself. You don't have anything left. Right. That is so good. And we are unfortunately coming up on 30 minutes, which is wild because it always goes by so fast. fast. So fast. So if Robbie is speaking to the younger version of Robbie and the younger version of Robbie is listening right now, what does she say? What you feel is accurate and it's not you. And also it's not that deep. Just do something. Take the next step. Like the next step is both, yes, it does kind of launch you in a direction, but also that direction isn't concrete. You can change directions. So if in that moment where I felt like stuck and like boiling under so much pressure, just go, go do something. It, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. But I kind of do want to say, it doesn't matter. You're going to be fine. I heard once from Elizabeth Gilbert and Rachel Cargill, I definitely said this on the last one, were on a, I think, a podcast together. And I was listening to them. And Rachel Cargill shares this phrase that she has kept with her in all of her creative ventures, which was, in my life, I will flourish many times. And when I do not flourish, I will recover. I will do both of these things. And so I that has stuck with me so hard as like, it doesn't matter. It's not that deep because either I'm going to flourish or I'm going to recover and, and I will do both. Yeah, that is such a great place to end. Thank you so much for joining today. This was a really, really wonderful conversation. And I know it's going to have an impact because I know that I was in that place at one point. You were, I've talked to many other people who were, in that place at one point, And I think they're going to take a lot from this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I love the tables you're building. I will sit down at literally any table you build. <laughs> at some point, we're gonna have to explain that concept if you haven't done that yet. I haven't. I don't think I have. Okay. So. <laughs> we'll get to the tables. Yes. It's, it's a really uh, deep lead. If you like this podcast, High Vibe Table Talks, don't forget to subscribe. We will see you next week. And remember that big dreams and small steps will transform your life. Bye.